When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to Heart and Hand. This is your flagship show. I am your host tonight, Adam Thornton, as David is off down to Liverpool uh, a day early for the pre-match press conference. Um, tonight's show, we'll be looking back at Saturday's 4-0 victory against Hearts at Tynecastle, and we will be looking ahead to tomorrow night's match against Liverpool at Anfield. Joining me for tonight's show, we have, first of all, Ross Hutton. Ross, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Um, good, thank you. Now we've got those aborted uh, recordings out of the way uh, at the start. Uh, uh, never let light and I'm on magic, Adam. I know, I know. We were just saying there how many years we've been doing this and we still can't record uh, introductions at the start properly. But never mind, we'll get on with it. Joining me as well, we have Martin Ramsey. Martin, how are you? I'm good, mate. Good to be on with you two distinguished gents. And yeah, a happier flagship than some have been recently. Maybe a happier flagship than we thought it was. It was going to be. Um, yeah, we we feared the worst. Yeah. On Saturday morning, um, Martin, we'll start with that because any victory in any era, um, or I should say any any four 0 victory at Tynecastle in any era has to go down as a good result. It is a difficult place to go. He says using quotations. Um, it maybe wasn't, certainly wasn't on, on Saturday, but th- there were still a few things that I think it's probably important that we, we pick out. Um, but ultimately, headline victory, 4 0, your strikers scoring two absolutely lethal finishes, Morelos coming on off the bench and, and getting a victory, Ryan Kent getting a goal and an assist in, in a game for the first time in um, probably in enough a calendar year. Um, lots and lots to be pleased about by that from that on Saturday. Oh, there absolutely was, and listen. 1-0 would have done us, I'm pretty sure, on Saturday morning. Um, it's not that Hearts are a, a particularly difficult team to play against, of course, given our strengths and budget and, and whatever else. But, but Tynecastle is it's, it's tough because it will set um, the home team off 
and they, they always start pretty aggressively and it's the same in December. We either have two games against Hearts. One is what we saw on um, uh, on Saturday, especially for that, that first period where it, it is a bit end-to-end. It's a cup tie feel. That's what Tynecastle gives you most of the time. Unless you play them at the end of the season, as we've done a few times over the last few years when everything's kind of done and it's an absolute walk in the park in the sunshine usually. So cup tie is what you get and it's that cup tie feel and the players feed off that. So you've got to stand up to it. Um, and yeah, to get through it, to get through it by the end in, in a lot of comfort uh, and as you, you the, the three kind of headlines that you mentioned there in terms of the goal scorers and um in different ways, we hope that they, they they take something from from those goals. It's it was a, a a very good day at the office. wasn't perfect. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, but you know, given the clouds that were hanging over and have been hanging over the club for for a wee while now, to be fair, um, this was one that we had probably circled as being a a, a real dodgy one. Um, Celtic will have circled has been a real opportunity to basically negate their slip up um, before the break and you know we've come through it and I'm sure we'll talk about this as well uh, a bit later on with the seven league games that we've got before the World Cup starts you start that period and in quotations easier period um, with a bit of a win behind you now I always hate that um, if we can just go on a run in these seven or eight games, then we'll see what happens because we know how Rangers works and we tend to end up slipping up in games that we might not expect. But yes, I, I completely agree. In theory, it's certainly a, an easier looking or a nicer, more positive looking next batch than, than the last batch were. Ross, you were at the game on, on Saturday. Um, a few surprises in, in the lineup. I don't think um, anyone really expected to see Ben Ben Davies starting, even with Sands going to be suspended on Tuesday. I think it was still, um, for me anyway, felt that maybe Tynecastle wasn't the the day to come in. And I know he's played before, but get a bit of a baptism after not playing for a for a few weeks. Um, and then obviously Rabbi Matondo starting on the right were probably the two main surprises. McGregor keeps his keeps his place in goal. What was your your thoughts on on the lineup first of all? Yeah, there was a wee bit of chat going into the stadium about Ben Davies coming in for the points that you made there. When you're thinking about when to give players, I don't want to say that an introduction to Rangers, because obviously you're right, he has played before fleetingly. But you're talking about giving that player that introduction to away league football in Scotland, which is a completely different dynamic to anything they will have played in before. It's physical, especially when we're talking about a place like Tynecastle, where, as Martin mentioned, the crowd are up for it. They're going to be aggressive from the start. You're maybe wanting to think of, of, of a player who has played a lot more recently, who's got a lot more game time under the belt, who might be a wee bit sharper, but I know we'll get to it, but I think Ben Davies came through that with pretty much flying colours. Matondo, like you said, is the other one, and that was the one that was really um, surprising to me, purely for the fact that he's not really been in the picture much the last couple of weeks, Rabbi Matondo, and for what we have seen of him, and we've seen him flashes, and the massive caveat with this kid is that he is young, he is moving to a new country, he will take time to settle, and, and all the, the usual caveats we put along with that. But again, maybe in that sense, to throw him in away at Tynecastle, for everything that we've just mentioned there, it was a, it was a big call. It worked out in the end. It wasn't perfect, but it did work. And I think 
when you're going to be coming out of this rut that we've been in, and let's be honest, we've not been sparkling for the past month. You could say we've not been sparkling all season. You're wanting to see something a wee bit more from players that you've not seen a lot from before, players like Rabi Matondo. And I think we came through that on Saturday quite well. Like we say, it wasn't perfect, but it's definitely eyebrow-raising. But we've criticised the manager before for poor team selection, so when he gets it right, I think he deserves the credit. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there is a there is a balance here, as we said, four 0 um in any game really is, is fantastic, but particularly when you when you go away, uh, one of the, the more difficult um games uh, in Scotland. I'm not sure there was a huge amount that, that we really learned, I, I think, about the game, Martin, and, and we can dig into that now. Um we'll talk about the good, absolutely, but we'll also focus on maybe some of the not so good. Um there's been a lot of criticism on and off the park during the international break and and the couple of weeks be, before that as well, due to lack of in, perceived lack of investment in the team, terrible results um, for the for the team as well, and then obviously some criticism in terms of of the board and some interviews etc that that have been done over the the international break. Um, but if we focus on pitch first of all, we'll maybe come to some of the other stuff later on in the show. If we focus on the pitch first of all, I think most people have been saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but. Most people have been saying we don't score enough goals. We need more from um, our wide players, our midfielders. Um, maybe aren't mobile enough, aren't creative enough, don't control the game in a way that they should. Um, we've got some frailties at the back, particularly dealing with set pieces or cross balls, and we have the goalkeeper situation where I think it's felt that they are polar opposites uh, in terms of of their style, and maybe neither. Um, mm. our candidates for for the long term. So if we pick them apart one by one on on Saturday, obviously we scored four goals and four of our attacking players got them. Um, I don't think it necessarily means that suddenly we are we're fantastic and we're playing this swashbuckling attacking football. But I think what we've got is Antonio Cholak having the best start in, in about ten years, certainly maybe fifteen years that that I can remember of a Rangers player or Rangers striker in terms of how lethal he is being. So there's this thing obviously that goals change games. You've got a, a striker there who is clinical. Um in a way that can almost kinda get you out of jail if you maybe aren't playing as well as you are. I'm not saying we didn't play well on Saturday. I'm just saying in general if you've got a striker who can sniff out those half chances and get you a goal ahead, sometimes that's all you really need at Rangers. You get a goal ahead the opposition get deflated and you can you can kind of go with it. So while we might not say that Cholak is tactically a fantastic fit for the team or offers what Morelos offers outside the box, build-up play, physicality, all that sort of stuff, if you've got someone that can bang goals in and you can get service to them, then it, it can be half the battle. It's a huge part of it, I think. Uh, I, I would hope you would agree that, that a lot of the pressures in the early Gerrard teams were because we were so wasteful and we knew that we needed a, a, hat, a hat full of chances really to, to convert one and you know get a, a, a kind of foothold in the game and then we were kind of hanging on. How many times did we, we lose points from winning positions because we hadn't put the game to bed and there's this neuroses around the team that it's not enough and it might we might not get that second goal because we, 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 don't, we aren't as clinical that changes when you have someone in the box who who can do what he what he does and and is doing. Um, is that, that 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 confidence that you know, especially in maybe bigger games? Here's where the paradox is. We've already we'll go into Liverpool in a moment, but how many times have we heard 
or read on on social media over the past or this season. Yeah, Cholak gives you great. He gives us what we need in, in so many of these games. Takes the bins out, etc. But you know, the bit you you, know, you wouldn't start in the Champions League, for example. You know, we we, we need Morelos for those 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 big games. Where you're maybe only going to have one or two chances that get the, that's counterintuitive, but but back to Tinkastle, I think that it does settle the team down, knowing that um, especially those creative players uh, that they're going to look better as a result of someone actually finishing their work, and that breeds confidence and and, and on we go. So yeah, uh, I think that that's a, a huge thing, Adam. Um, just. <laughs> It just feeds and it just um, bleeds throughout the team that um, we're, we're not going to have to create six to get to get one, um, which has definitely been an issue in the past. I think we've said before it's a team full of paradoxes, but if we can yeah. manage them and have the, the pros overcoming the cons, then I think we'll see hopefully more results like we've seen on Saturday. Um, Ross, just to talk more about the, the goals, Cholak's first goal, um, fantastic from him, first of all, and I... There is a bit of a misconception. We, we we tend to go black and white with everything, don't we? And we, we have this picture of ourselves. We have this picture of Cholak in our head now of he's lethal in the box. And then we almost take that to the extreme and say, he's so lethal in the box, that means he is rubbish outside the box, which <laughs> I, I personally don't I personally don't fully agree with. I don't think we're we're looking at a Chris Boyd, for example, here. I think he has qualities outside the box. He showed against PSV away. Um, he showed against uh, Hearts on Saturday as well. He can link up play. It's not it's not clunky at all. Um, he, he's maybe not just maybe got the physicality or, or because he is a bigger guy, we think he can't do it. I don't think his touch is awful. I don't think it's poor even. Um, and we kind of seen with that first goal, he drops off, gets the ball, sweeps out to Kent and then gets on the end of the header. But a big difference, I think, in this is not only Cholak's ability outside the box, which I think is probably quite underrated, but what Ryan Kent did was he was direct for the first time probably this season, and there was no messing about. There was no chopping it on his left and then chopping it on his right and trying to beat him again or, or laying it back to Barisic and trying to be too clever. It was just bang, 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 crop, cross into the box, and Cholak gets on the end of it. I, I thought it was a really simple goal for us to score, but it was also really, really pleasing because it then feeds into what we're going to talk about, which is in terms of Ryan Kent, goals, etc., that he, he needs to bring to it, but certainly creativity in the final third. So I thought that was that was quite a nice little um, explanation, I guess, of how good Ryan Kent can be and why we need to see more of just that from him. Yeah, simple is probably a good way to put it, but simple in a really pleasant way, actually, because we've not played simple football in a, in a long, long time. And you're right to mention Ryan Kent there, I think. When that ball goes out to Ryan Kent, it's a brilliant ball, by the way, actually coming out of the air from Cholak as well. Don't don't take that away from him. But when that ball goes out to Ryan Kent, you are expecting him to you know, try and run at hearts, then run back the way, then wait for Barisic to make an overlap and the attack to kind of break down and then the momentum to be killed. Whereas you're right, for the first time in a very, very long time, what we've seen Ryan Kent do is bring the ball down, move it to his left foot, get his head up and see that Cholak's still making that run into the box and then an absolutely pinpoint cross. It's not actually the first time that we've seen Ryan Kent put a pinpoint cross in for Cholak this season as well. There does seem to be a wee bit of a relationship developing there, which is good and exciting to see going forward. But just to pick up on Martin's point there as well about, about Cholak outside the box, and obviously you said it yourself, Adam, there's this kind of conception 
within the minds of the support. And I think you and I have spoken about it before, where in these kind of games you need to play Morelos because he does offer you that something different and he, and he will ragdoll players and get you up the pitch. I think we've seen the, probably the best of that from Cholak on Saturday. That's probably his best all-round performance that we've had from us because he was coming short to link up the play and not in a way that was damaging to the attack. I think we've seen it before where if we're not playing our sparkling best and Morelos has had to come so, so deep just to get the ball and by that point he's miles away from the goal and not where you want him to be. We didn't see that in, on Saturday, I don't think, in large parts from Cholak when he was coming deep, it was to try and link up the play. There was one where he came deep and uh, flipped it on for Ryan Jack, who almost put Scott Arfield through and should have done a lot better with the ball. But you're seeing those different dynamics and different elements of his game, which I thought was really, really pleasing. And when we're going to somewhere like Anfield, and I don't want to jump ahead in the conversation because, like Martin said, we'll talk about that later, it's definitely something to consider because it's not as black and white as, OK, you'll get the ball in the box for Cholak, you'll score, but in a game like this, Morelos gives you everything else. I think Cholak gives us a lot more than what we've maybe noticed or acknowledged before, and it's definitely something that we're going to need to consider going forward and maybe try and move away from this collective mindset that I think we can sometimes fall into the trap of having of is, is X for Cholak and, and Y for Morelos when that's clearly not the case. Yeah, that's one of, one of my bugbears is so you can't play this person in this game. And, and, and it does ring true with some, and it's frustrating that we find ourselves with quite a big squad, but actually only half of them can do this and half of them can do that. But I don't think it is quite as, as cut and dried here as, as you say. Um, Martin, the result always clouds opinion, um, I think. Uh, and when you win 4-0, um, you quite rightly want to completely ignore or downplay um, some of the negatives in the game because overall, fantastic so decisive, clean sheet, what more can you, you ask for? Um, however, after the first goal, I, I think we entered into a bit of a period here where it was maybe a lot more transitional or, or attritional than, than maybe the manager would want. I think he said that himself. Um, I think we either we sat back or we allowed Hearts to pin us back. Um, I'm not quite sure um, what it would be there. Um, we'd have to... We'd have to dig into it a bit more and get the manager's thoughts on it to know to know for sure. But we certainly entered into a period which we do quite a bit. Um, you think back to Ross County, um, last season where we we got the early goal through Diallo and we sat back and invited them on. Uh, and then I think from memory they got the equaliser just before half time. Um, we did that in this game. Um, Barisic was was getting a bit um a bit of trouble from Humphreys on, on that right hand side. There was two or three instances where Hearts played the pretty simple. Overload on the right hand side, our midfield was given absolutely zero cover to Barisic and Humphreys had him one on one uh, quite a few occasions, and we'd have been lucky. And I think this is the margins that we talk about here. We'd have been probably quite lucky. I think there's one in particular that Goldson sort of tries to clear it and it kind of scuffs, and then I think Tavernier kicks, mm-hmm. it, kicks it away. Um, these are the fine margins where that could quite easily go in the net or it could drop to a heart striker, and we're bemoaning that we've sat back and and let teams come on to us. And I guess these are the fine margins that probably worked for us on, on Saturday and allowed us to go on and, and claim the victory. But just as you've spoke about, sometimes we can sit back and we can invite pressure on. Um, I would say, other than those opportunities where he gets down the wing in terms of our defending set pieces, but cross, crosses into the box, etc., we did look a lot more assured um, at that. But there is just still that little bit of play, which I felt from round about Cholak's goal until we got the second goal, where I thought Hearts were coming into it and had they had a bit more luck they may have got an equaliser yeah there's a lot in there I think there's a lot true uh, yes the result always clouds their opinion it clouds their opinion on everything uh, how nice our dinner was that night um, to to just about everything else in life so um, that 
that that is true, and we we forget the moments. But this is is true in every game of football. Uh, we forget the moments that um, could have gone a very different way and and, and changed their afternoon. Um, and that's why you know results are only that they're a snapshot. League positions at a certain date are only a snapshot, um, and it doesn't always tell the the, the whole story. Um, yes, we did uh, retreat. Uh, we've done that often. It's probably a bit of both, Adam. Hearts are going to attack. Yeah, I I remember the the one of Gio's first games, uh, December at Tyne Castle, when people said it was a pretty poor performance. I thought Rangers were genuinely excellent in spells of that game, but because Hearts had chances, it was all you know, it was, it was apparently pretty scrappy. They're going to have a go. The opposition yeah. are allowed to attack, and it could get hairy at times. It could get you know the, you talked about the margins. Yeah, they are. Uh, now you negate those over the course of eighty minutes, hopefully, and we did on 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 Saturday. Um, they're going to have a go. Yeah, it's probably inbuilt um, with this Rangers team. I don't th- think it's a purely geo thing, to be honest. I think it's, there's a culture there in in general that's possibly a little conservative. But when Geo came in, he's, he's his first press conference. I think I did it, and he talked about keeping the zero. Um, if that's a message that's coming from from the very first night probably not a huge surprise that his team are, are quite conservative keep you know um what you have and, and all of that and so that's maybe the default position um instead of what Celtic would probably do which is right we've got an early goal get another and be absolutely rampant about it um but do you want to play into the cup tie field even more than you you have to um take a breather keep your shape don't lose anything silly and then kind of go again which is effectively what we did now there's going to be moments of you know squeaky bum time in that there's going to be moments of danger that's that's sport um i i think we're kind of wanting i think we're wanting the impossible at times as, as, as fans just to have absolutely no risk at all no moments of of um uh, awkwardness or threat that's just not realistic it's how you you, you deal with those even if it doesn't go your way um, do you have enough that over the course of a ninety minutes you're 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 going to negate that? Um, so so yeah, I think you're right. There's so much of Saturday that we we knew already. Ben Davis probably the 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 big um new factor to that, and he only played um the 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 first half obviously. Um, but yeah, I think there's 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 enough there for for hope uh, about what kind of stability he can provide. Um, but yeah, the, the midfield issue still hasn't gone away. They're the same players. Why would it? Do you ever start our field, or is he the best impact sub I think I've ever seen at Rangers? I would say the latter. Um, Jack has issues clearly. Um, in 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 terms of fitness, or whatever. Um, these are not new new problems, but we found a way around them. The second goal being probably the the best example of that where Lundstrom takes the ball from deep and bypasses those problems with yep. an exquisite pass, brilliantly controlled, and then you know everything about that those seven or eight seconds or whatever it was was just exquisite uh, from a Rangers point of view. So you know there's plenty to take away, but you know the fact that Hearts got in behind this is where you get micro obsessive and um, it's no good for you. Follow something else. Yeah, you know, I think there needs to be <clears throat> there needs to be a little bit of a balance. I think overall, overwhelmingly positive on Saturday, so it's probably right that some of the negatives can be 
can be diminished a little bit, but at the same time... What are your thoughts, Adam, on... I'm sure you have read it as well. This was the same as Easter Road, just a different scoreline. Now, as I said, some issues are still there. They're not going to disappear in a matter of weeks. Um, But I was at Easter Road. That was beyond turgid. I didn't feel I wasn't at Tencastle on, on Saturday, so I don't know if it's a, a different feel within the ground watching telly, whatever. But Turgid was not really a word I would use to describe. There were slower times, slower moments, quieter moments. Um, but I didn't. I thought Easter Road was a, a wild equivalence, to be honest. I just don't think you can compare the two. I think because there's such decisive moments in in both games, I just don't think it's possible. We were two up uh, against Hearts and a man up and before we, we'd even scored Easter Road. Um, so there's there's nothing really you can hang your hat on and say this was the same and look how much different it, it panned out. We'd have won at Easter Road if we kept ten, mm. even 10 men on the pitch, probably. Um, you would argue we could have won because he made, I can't think from the top of my head, but from memory, a couple of, a couple of strange substitutions, I think, um, yeah. once... Once the guys went off, so it's I don't understand the the equivalence of it. I think it's maybe just difficult places to go type thing. But no, for me, I think the performance was a lot miles better on Saturday. But again, we got two goals early, and you know what we're like if we if we do that, it completely takes the pressure out. Of the so game. that's the difference then. We didn't look like getting near two goals. We didn't even look like getting near one goal yep. until that weird. I mean, no, it wasn't a weird penalty decision at Easter Road. It was a correct decision, but it was a wild. Um, decision by the, the, the defender in the first place but that's what I mean I, I just I thought we were far more at it from the start which is what we've been calling for Rangers just not starting half swell um, and yet I thought we did and we were bright and we, we, we kind of got those rewards but yeah you know I know margins I know um, but uh, yeah not not everything is is fixed but Jesus there was, there was a hell of a lot more to take uh, from Saturday and I know you hate runs Adam but going forward and just looking purely at the league form now before the World Cup, that has to be 21 points out of 21. I mean, th- those are all games that, that Rangers should be in no danger of of, of being in any trouble. Um, the away games are what you would consider easier compared to the start of the season. Every game at Ibrox should be a home win. And that's where you get confidence from. That's when you start getting the rhythm, start getting the cohesion, um, start to run over the top of teams, start getting that second goal very quickly because you... You have the wind behind you and you feel able to, to go and do it rather than, right, we've got a good start, let's not do anything silly, let's just pause for breath as we are doing the now because we're, we're a team that's not exactly riding the crest of a wave at the moment. But get three or four more league wins under your belt as they did last season and then you see a completely different Rangers team. Problem is, of course, that the World Cup <laughs> comes and spoils any kind of momentum that you might even generate. But you know what I mean? Um, I think asking for all that to be done on, on Saturday there... Um, I think is, is is maybe too much, but it's a it's a huge step in in being able to build what you need to win a title. It is especially when you factor in a, a personal opinion, as I think Celtic are unlikely to get the twenty one points given given the games that they've got coming up in their mm. run. So for <clears throat> for me, I think that's that's key for us. And if you want to win the league, you need to win nine ten games on the spin. Um, more than that, probably you would argue. So I think that that should be well within our gift. Ross, just to bring you back in, Martin mentioned Scott Arfield. Um, during the game, um, I was of the opinion, certainly similar to Martin, I have been a big Scott Arfield fan in the past. I think um, I thought it was a really big part of 55, maybe this time two years ago. Um, really helped us out with, with what he was doing. But um, 
not the answer. I don't think anymore from the start every week, and I no. think he would probably tell you that himself. However, um, there are obviously two sides to this. Um, Scott Arfield off the ball uh, is fantastic. Uh, I think certainly in an attacking sense, if you look at the runs that he's making, you, you look at the um, the second goal, which Martin mentioned, Lundstrom, brilliant left-footed pass right out to Matondo, who did very well, slipped a little ball through to Cholak, but to be honest, I wasn't sure we were going to see that type of finesse from Matondo, and then obviously the finish uh, is lethal from, from Cholak, but if you watch Arfield in that, he's he's right up there as the second striker, he's not playing as a number 10 or a, any deeper, he, he's up there basically as a two, trying to feed off scraps, etc., and that creates a wee bit of confusion in Hart's defence, and it allows Cholak to slip in between um, Kingsley uh, and the left back and just gives them that little half yard to, to get through. I thought it was very, very clever. He, he did that a couple of times in the game. He obviously had a good chance that he made a mess of as far as I'm concerned. But again, just he just seems to find these pockets of space, probably in the way that Tom Lawrence does as well, but obviously he's not here at the minute. Um, for me, Scott Arfield off the ball is fantastic. But And to be honest, it's probably an issue that I've been moaning about since his very first season. On the ball, it's or oh, he nearly did this, or he nearly did that, or that almost came off, or this almost came off. Um, one more of these paradoxes that we're, we're talking about. How do you think he did? Because I've seen some pretty vociferous criticism of him for, for Saturday's performance, which I have to admit I, I can see parts of. But when you think about his role in the team, and he's want to spin off and get scraps and be a kind of foil for Cholak, there were parts of that, certainly in the first half, that I thought he did pretty well, just obviously without an actual tangible output of goals and assists yeah I was possibly more critical you know in the stands on the day than what I will be sitting here right now with a couple of nights sleep under my belt and having watched the the game back I agree with you, I think the the chance not the the Ryan Jack one that wasn't his fault but the real chance that he should have curled into the net is absolutely should have done better with should have had a goal as well for being totally honest but again those are those moments that can go either way his overall performance, yeah, is, is, is frustrating because you know what he brings off the ball. Even when you look at the first goal, I know you mentioned the second, but it's his run that takes the defenders away in the deep and kind of brings them back and allows Cholak to, to move a wee bit short to get on the, the second ball. So you do see that intelligence all the time with Scott Arfield. The difference um, on the other side of that as well, as is if we have everyone fit, which is very <laughs> very apparent that we don't, it has been very well documented our injury issues. Does Scott Arfield start our games away at Tynecastle? Possibly not. Not given his age, I think, Martin, you said what well, possibly one of the best impact subs that you've seen at Rangers. I would agree with that. He's far, far more effective for us right now coming off the bench because he does offer you that in-game intelligence. Not an awful lot of other people in this squad have, especially coming into the latter half of games. Teams are starting to tire. They can make those runs be deep and not be picked up in the same way. It is absolutely how I'd be using Scott Arfield from now on. You do, or at least in theory, when you start him in a game like Tynecastle, you, you are meant to get that, that bite and that aggression. We've spoken about that a lot before in terms of getting that from Scott Arfield's game and a way you don't from others who might play in that position. I didn't see that as much on Saturday as what I would have liked to. I think we've spoken before about the, the general issues that we had in, in the midfield, especially between the first and second goals, where we did seem to be getting bypassed and kind of ran through quite a lot and you said it quite correctly there Lundstrom just bypasses those issues entirely to get to the Rabi Matondo for the second goal so it doesn't slow us down listen we've spoken a lot before on this show and just tonight about how moments change your perception of games if that third goal stands um, just before half time the, the visceral reaction to his performance probably isn't half as bad as what it has been was it impressive? No, but I do think we need to caveat into the fact that generally 
we wouldn't be expecting Scott Arfield at the age he's at now to be starting these games. He really only is doing so because of injuries. Going forward, is it something I want to see a lot more of? No, but as I say, that's an ideal world when we have Tom Lawrence and uh, in a much, much future sense, Yanis Hadji fit again. Martin, halftime. Well, sorry, I should we should talk about the red card, I guess, but um, pretty blatant red card. I haven't seen anyone <clears throat> really say anything untoward about it in terms of what oh, might have been this, it might have been that. Um, any thoughts on it from from your side? I think it was pretty pretty blatant, particularly the way that he comes in right on the touchline there. I think everyone, management staff, etc., can see it. They were all in agreement. I'm pretty sure Robbie Nielsen was after the game as well. Um, just about a silly lunge that he didn't really need to do, but. He's kind of got that in his locker, doesn't he, Devlin? He apparently does, yeah. Um, watching on telly, it looked wild. Didn't have any idea just how bad it looked, obviously, until you, you see it kind of close up. The benches did see it close up, and the reaction from Gio was obviously very instant and very telling. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Matondo is, you know, shielding the ball. It's frustrating. They're 2-0 down. Um uh, how can we put this? He's, he's not a big fan of Rangers at the best of times, um, and it's it's the red mist that that's how it looks. Uh, but it was a bad, bad, bad one. Um, and you know, the Scottish football hype machine and the moralisation, and you know, it, it's very much a pulpit in this country um, on on certain issues. Those kind of tackles don't. Those kind of incidents don't generate the column and cheese and the airtime and the diatribes and you know won't everyone think of the children that they, they probably deserve unless of course it's you know Morelos that's, that's doing it um, it was a real nasty bit of work uh, thankfully Matondo seems okay but you know it, it, it could have been could have been a lot worse um, but yeah red mist I think bitter red mist could have been a lot worse I think you're absolutely right Sticking with you then, some of the substitutes in this game, maybe we're reading into it too much in terms of, of Liverpool coming up. Um, ben Davies came off. Uh, James Sands came on. Obviously, he suspended on, on Tuesday. I think we would think there that Davies got his 45 yeah. minutes under his belt to play on yeah. Tuesday rather than King being thrown in. Um, now we may go back three. We'll come on to that later on and maybe King comes in anyway. Um, Davis and Jack as well. I guess you could see that either way, getting some minutes in Davis's legs to play or also giving Jack a bit of a rest there. Maybe both will play. Who knows? And then maybe later on again as well when, when Cholak comes off and Morelos comes on. Um, we'll talk about that in terms of what we what we think there. But we also got to see Tillman coming on as well. Um, been a bit of a quiet spell for him, Martin. The last couple of weeks, he's, he's not played... Uh, as much he's maybe dipped a little bit I think we do need to remember he's around about the same age as, as Alex Lowry obviously he's came with yeah. a big fanfare he's came with um, what we think is about a 6 million future fee and with that always brings expectation coming from Bayern etc as well how do you think he did when he came on and do you think this is just one of these I guess one of these periods where he isn't used to playing men's football week in week out yeah. so we're just giving him a bit of a break yeah I think you're absolutely right and you're absolutely right about our um, preconceptions about it. He's come from Bayern Munich and he has this figure kind of hovering over his head. That means he is that kind of player right now and if Rangers spend that kind of money on any player, they should be starting every game, they should be rising to the biggest games um, and possibly he has hidden in some of the bigger bigger games or it's looked too much for him at this stage of his career. Um, but on Saturday afternoon when the game is, well, it's, it's in a very comfortable position, um, hearts are a man down, 
I thought his, his intelligence comes through. He clearly does have a good football brain. Um, he maybe needs to engage that maybe quicker in terms of how he executes, how he sees the game. Um, he can just be a wee bit slow at times. Again, I think that's in some cases where the games just look too much for him. Um, but on Saturday, I thought he, he looked like he was enjoying it. Um, and look, we, we need those kind of players. You, we, we, I think it was Jordan that... that in the athletic that that, that wrote on um, at the weekend about Rangers being a bit concerned about using them now in breakneck games where it is end to end, where the, the pressure's pretty high, the tempo's pretty high, that he's maybe not quite there yet, um, and that's fair enough if it's something he has to kind of grow into. But we still need to make sure we take care of the other business. You know, not most of Scottish football, most of the games that we play isn't at that breakneck speed, you know, most of our home games are not, um, and we need those players that, that have that vision, because Christ, we don't, we don't have, we're not <laughs> spilling over with those, those types of players, so, um, no, I thought he was good, um, Davies, I think you're absolutely right, he, why risk 90 minutes, he's on a booking as well, um, and, and, yeah, Davis for Jack made perfect sense, um, what do we think about Sands? Because uh, it looks like it's one of those that he's had to come in because, um, you know, Suter's injured um, very early on and um, Davies obviously time to, to kind of adjust and he's been asked to kind of fill in there and he, he looked good and everyone was kind of raving about him and he's used to the ball um, in an area in the pitch where, where maybe it's, it's not quite as... Um, high tempo and as combative as the centre midfield um, but I did wonder uh, home to PSV when he had that big up and under the, he got caught out with uh, caught out badly and PSV should probably have really scored um, that it was all it was almost all of a sudden he's like shit I shouldn't really be here <laughs> this isn't where I really want to play and obviously that, that happened again on, on Saturday again to, to no, um, no avail for the, the, the opponent um, but it's it's a glaring weakness now and I wonder if that kind of experiment is over and if Davies can't play then it's king that we, we kind of bring in I think to well, I guess that, sorry on you go Adam on you go no I was I was going to bring you in so on you go you go first and I'll, I'll follow up I was going to say that the, the thing against that to be fair to him is he isn't a natural centre half so that natural positioning sense and including the up and under which you're right we did get away with on Saturday and I think he actually does quite well to, to recover from it to be totally fair to him but it's not natural listen when Bassey made that transition to centre half and I know it's not a perfect comparison but you've seen it quite a lot with him just being caught under the ball quite a lot of the time and that positional sense and that that natural knowledge of that position just not being there so listen was it ever going to be a long-term thing with James Sands being a centre half for Rangers probably not I don't think anyone, including James Sands, really wanted it to be. It always seemed like a, a short-term sticking plaster until Ben Davies managed to get himself in, into a position where he, he could be playing games and playing them on the regular. Uh, what that means for James Sands' game time going forward, I think, is probably a wee bit more of an interesting question. If, we, if we're ruling him out and saying it's, it's Davies or King that's going to partner Goldson, how much game time does James Sands get? going forward, do we put him in the Lundstrom position and then move Lundstrom forward one and then that kind of moves Ryan Jack out of the picture and all the domino effects that we have there. Uh, I think he has acquitted himself really well at centre-half James Sands, especially, as I say, bearing that in mind that he's not a natural centre-half and he always was that, that short-term solution to a much longer-term problem. But what that means for him personally going forward, if, if we are removing him from the equation as, as terms of a centre-half, I think it's a far more interesting question. 
Yeah, I've I've changed my mind on it very quickly. Um, <clears throat> which maybe makes me think I wasn't as hundred percent on my opinion as as I, as I might have thought I would have been. Um, I think those up and unders are, are definitely a concern. Getting caught under the ball was it the Ross County game where he probably should have been sent off. Yeah. I think if we're yeah, if we're honest, yeah. and then PSV, and then obviously I think there's been another one, uh, and then the Hearts game. He is very young. He's only just turned twenty two. He's still very young for a centre half, even if he is four or five years older than than Leon King. Um, so there isn't. We've seen with Bassi as well. He's not far off the age that Bassi was this time last year. I think the fact they're probably the same age, aren't they? So, um, we see how things can can change very very quickly. So I'd not be keen to definitively say he's not this or he's not that. What I would say is that I don't see him as a defensive midfielder. I, I have to say. Well, I don't see him as a defensive midfielder in the sense that Rangers need one, uh, as whether it's a sort of Lundstrom-style enforcer with a, a good range of passing or, or a, a Stephen Davis-style passer um, who can break the lines. That's the two types, I think, that we probably need sitting at the base of midfield, and I don't think he's either of them. I think he's a neat and tidy. Um, maybe someone that we could play as a, a two-man defensive midfield away in, in bigger games, away in Europe, away against Celtic, all that sort of stuff, but very much a kind of unique situation where we don't need every single week if he was playing defensive midfield. I don't think he moves the ball quick enough. I don't think he's particularly physical enough to, to play in in there uh, in all the games that we need him to, to be. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he obviously came through at New York as a as a defensive midfielder, but I think he moved back into defence, but it was in a back three. Um, maybe the, the last 18 months or so that he played there, I'm not 100% on that. I'm sure that if there's any MLS fans, they can jump in uh, and correct me. But that, to me, I think is what he is. One of these modern centre-halves, I guess, Martin, who maybe aren't really centre-halves. They maybe are defensive midfielders because they're all right on the ball and they've been pulled yeah. back a little bit and, and yeah. they kind of need, need to play in a three. Um, To me, that's probably where he should be. In a team who gets lots of the ball, such as such as Rangers, again, you find yourself how often are we really going to play a back three? I'd have played them tomorrow night, for example, if he was going to be fit and available in a back three. But in terms of just being in a back two for us as the first choice, no, I don't think it's looking like that. And I think Ben Davies and probably, if I'm honest, I think Leon King are looking like they're yeah. maybe a bit more what we would be looking for. Um. Ross, we'll finish off the game then. Obviously, Morelos coming on, got another half an hour in his, his legs. I have to say, I did think he looked quite rusty. He hooked a shot that I think almost went out for a for a throw-in and there was a few bits and pieces of his movement that he looked a bit lethargic with. Um, but then he he does what he does. As soon as there's a, a spare ball in the box, central, about 10 yards to go, he just hammers his foot right through it um, and gets his, gets his goal, which... It amazes me how he celebrates goals. I think that's his 114th for us and he's celebrating as if it's like a last-minute winner in a cup final, which I think is always fantastic to see and endears him to the fans. That's a big positive, obviously, getting him back, getting him integrated. He looks to be... He's not someone that I think that can hide his emotions very well. He looks to be someone who likes Antonio Cholak from the celebrations that we've seen. I'm not sure whether he, he would be liking him enough to be pushed out onto the right or, or playing as a support striker when Cholak's playing up front. But he certainly looks to be someone who is happy again and wants to get involved and wants to be part of, of the team. Doesn't look like he's in a huff that he's not starting these type of games at the minute. So I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see how things settle down with that. I mean, you love Jermaine Defoe when he was here, bloody hated playing <laughs> playing with That's him on the true, park yeah. at the same time. So um, yeah, there maybe is something in that. 
I think where we are with Morelos now is probably a, a bit of a big vindication of where Gio went in terms of his discipline. We're not a million miles removed, and we need to remember this when we're having this conversation from almost Morelos being written out of the team, especially from, from some fans and from some things that you read and what we would read into the manager's comments is, is to meaning. So to kind of come back from that in the way that he has and we've all been through this before with Morelos where I think we've, we've written them off or said we're sick, sick of him, this, that and the next thing but for him to come back and look as though he's enjoying his football again, which is huge we've seen Morelos before in the Ranger shirt where his confidence maybe isn't there and he, he maybe doesn't look as invested or he just doesn't look quite in the races and I'll agree with you, I did think he looked rusty at, at large points on Saturday he has had limited game time but for him to look as though he's at least enjoying his football again and to be trying to reintegrate himself into the team and build those relationships, it is really encouraging going forward. Uh, and, it's, and it's led to this discussion about obviously who starts tomorrow night away at Anfield. For me, going forward, especially tomorrow night, I'd probably go with, with Cholak. I know it's something that you're going to talk about in a wee minute, Adam. Just because he has had that more game time, he doesn't look quite as rusty as what Morelos does not I think we've seen it on Saturday as well. You're talking about the chance that came just right across the box and they absolutely should score from it. It's a sitter and they just puts it wide. It's that kind of rustiness and, and that lack of clinical finishing that, that let him down a wee bit on Saturday. But I'm not going to be overly critical of that performance at all because he, he came on, he got his goal. You can see what he's trying to do. He hasn't had a lot of minutes, so that reintegration period is absolutely crucial. And I don't think we're in any need to try and rush Morelos back in, in the long term. We're in a completely different position than what we were before, which was if Morelos yep. wasn't in the team, we weren't getting goals. It just wasn't going to happen. So we've seen it before when he's maybe had a wee bit of a knock and he's just not been quite at it and we've rushed him back and it's not exactly worked out for us. I'm thinking January to March 2020 was absolutely awful. You've seen the worst of him. I think if we want to see the best of him, and that is still to come, which is the, the really exciting thing, we don't need to try and force him into games when he... You know, when we're in a decent position because we've got a striker there who can get the goals or at least is doing it at the minute and it doesn't seem to be just a purple patch with Cholak it seems to be just a clinical, clinical finisher so if you've got that in the side why would you want to rush Morelos back and risk aggravating any injury or, or push him to, to a length he's not, his body's not prepared to go to at this moment in time so it's quite an exciting position to be in going forward assuming that all goes to plan and <laughs> we're Rangers, it, it rarely ever does but if Morelos keeps coming back and we keep giving him that regular game time, that you know he does deserve, and we can manage to reintegrate him into the squad in a full and proper fashion, then we could be in a really, really good position where you have two similar but different strikers who can offer you two similar but different things. And I, th- I completely agree. I think we'll come on to the Liverpool in terms of likely lineups, etc., how they're doing uh, in a little bit. But just last word, I think on on Hearts probably needs to go to Ryan Kent. Martin, I don't know how many times in the last year we've seen him shift his weight on the right hand side of his foot and hey, on his right his right foot, sorry, and, and the ball to seal out of play and sometimes out of the stand. Um I don't think his lack his lack of goals is as big an issue as everyone else seems to think. I think lack of goals in general across the team is a big issue and we use Kent as a bit of a lightning rod for that, but I'm bored of, of saying that um and getting on my high horse about it. He does need to score more goals, whether or not that goal was a catalyst that he did seem to be relieved about it when, when it went in. It was the last minute. It was a dead rubber. It probably didn't mean huge amounts. Hearts had been annihilated by that point and, and were done. So in that sense, it's maybe not an important goal, but it could be something, you know, what footballers are like, just that little something to get that monkey off their back and maybe free them up a little bit. Um, And like we've said, he's got an ideal 
opportunity in this block now. Um, what we've got 10 or 11 games to really get the foot down and show us what, what he's made of. But I was pleased that he managed to get the goal at least and, and get that monkey off his back. Yeah, I hope it's not treated as a dead rubber. I hope it is what he's needed and the, the confidence kind of surges back. Um, I think he tried it more than once on on Saturday, never mind over the last year. Um, and yeah, I've been a critic and I, I, I make no bones about that. He does need to score more goals. It is a problem. Just because others do doesn't mean that he isn't. Um, and anyone as part of that effective front three needs to be chipping in. That's a title winning team when you get guys who do and if they don't, you don't win leagues. So it is an issue if this clicks something back into place um, where he can do what he did when we did win the league, then everyone's a happy boy. Absolutely. Okay, so on to the small matter of Liverpool um, at Anfield. Um, should be a small matter of the rubbish now. Even uh, Brighton can get a draw against them. It's a disservice to Brighton, I guess. Um, Ross, in terms of the game, obviously, myself and Martin are, are heading down. Um, it's going to be a fantastic occasion anyway. Um, I've never been to a game at, at Anfield, far less a, a Rangers game in the Champions League at Anfield. It, it's an exciting prospect, I think. I'm, it's maybe more exciting now that we've got a, a decent win at our back and we're maybe a, another couple of weeks removed from Napoli and Ajax. How uh, excited are you for it, I guess? Are you, are you one of these people that thinks Liverpool are going to be taking their anger out on us or are you seeing a, a sort of wounded animal there that we can get at? What's your, what's your thoughts, Sidney, out from the game? I'm certainly looking forward to it a lot more now than what it was a couple of weeks ago when they were winning 9-0 and we were getting scudded all over the shop, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, if this is the kind of game that doesn't excite you, then I'm sorry, you're in the wrong sport. You're following the wrong team. We, we've dreamt for years of getting back to the Champions League and playing with the big boys and playing at this level. So no matter what kind of form we're in, no matter what kind of form Liverpool are in, if this isn't one for you, then uh, listen, you can take up something else because this is what you do it for. And listen, I, I know you're going down. I, I'm not. It'll be a cracking occasion and, and you'll love it. I'm, obviously, you'll love it a wee bit more if we get a result, but no matter what, it's one of those occasions to save her because we've been robbed of them for so many years. What do I think Liverpool will do? It's a good question because... There's been many of a time this occasion where the narrative has been about Liverpool bouncing back or taking the frustration out on, on X, Y and Z. I know Jurgen Klopp has spoken about it before, about trying to kind of rebuild that confidence and momentum. And when I was watching the, the post-matches from their game against Brighton on Saturday in match today, I was intrigued by how much the word confidence came up. And it's not just happened before. Andy Robertson has spoken about it before with Liverpool on the post-match, just about confidence. Uh, they don't seem to be having an awful lot of it now, and that, that's shown in their performances and in their football. So you could say, and I'm not making myself a hostage to fortune, that if you wanted to go to Anfield, um, coming off the back of a confidence-boosting 4-0 win when they've had a pretty demoralising 3-0 draw at home in Brighton, including the manner of that, then yeah, absolutely. It seems like a quote-unquote good time to get Liverpool. But we do need to remember the quality we're up against here. You've got world-class players in, in almost every position of the pitch. And listen, there is the, the realist sense in me that to, to go there and put in a performance, and we spoke about it after the Napoli game, Adam. I think all I really want to see in a game like this is I want to compete, keep them honest. Let's not go over there or down to Anfield and get absolutely ran over the top of like happened in Amsterdam, which, which was a poor performance despite the quality of the team. 
if we go down to Anfield and you know we compete and we keep it tight and we keep them honest and we try and do all the right things and then Liverpool's quality shows in the end and that's fine, sell it be. I, I can live with that because of the level of opposition. What I don't want to see is a revert back to type of some of the earlier performances that we've seen from this Rangers team this season where we're not doing any of the basics and we're not competing and we're not keeping them honest Then we see the, the end result there because that can get really messy, especially against a team of Liverpool's quality. So I'm excited for it, I'm absolutely buzzing because how, how can't you be for a game like this? But the the expectations versus the the hope are maybe two completely different things. Where do you fall on this, Martin? Having watched Liverpool, um, obviously for the Seagull Show on the network, um, how how do you see this? It is obviously Rangers against um, one of the best teams in in Europe. Still, I don't think we can take away from that. But having said that, there are some frailties that I think mm-hmm. that that we could probably impact if we are um, back to maybe last year's European performances in terms of our levels? Yeah, uh, oh, I'd certainly be rather playing Liverpool than Manchester City, I can tell you that for nothing. Um, yep. I think all possibilities seem real. We, we we absolutely can get at them. We, something could happen, for sure something can happen. Um, but also, <laughs> they could finish the game in 20 minutes. They, they have the, the power to do that. I think Rangers will turn up um, I, I really do. Whether it's enough, as Ross says, who knows. Um, I remember watching the Ajax Liverpool game because our game also was moved to the Wednesday night, thinking that that speed and that pace and that tempo just seems like a, a different sport. So we, we have to remember the levels that we're at, but they're they're not in great shape. They're capable of great things, but they're not they're not absolutely there yet. So um, exciting though. It is exciting. Um, in, in terms of how how I think we'll line up, uh, for me, I think it'll be a back three, probably for us. I don't think there'll be much much debate there. I'm expecting it to be Leon King, Ben Davies, uh, and Connor Goldson. I think John Lindstrom will play. My hope is that that Davis will will join him uh, in midfield, and then I guess it's really anybody's debate as to who the remaining spots will be. For me, it'd probably be Kent and Morelos, and and maybe, um, maybe Malik Tillman coming in. But I think it's really anyone's guess. It could possibly be Cholak coming in. We could see Arfield. We could see Ryan Jack. I think we do have options there. We can argue whether they are the right options or, or options that we should have in, in 2022. But we do have some options there to, to play. He could go with pace in terms of Sakala, Matondo. Um, it really depends how he wants to play the game. But I would be pretty surprised if we didn't go for a back three and, and almost try and sit in and contain. Maybe like a, a kind of Leipzig away type performance would, would absolutely do me 100%. Martin, just to finish off, I want to get your thoughts. There's been quite a lot of boardroom um, activity. There's There's been James Bidsgrove coming out, John Bennett on Rangers TV, Stuart Robertson, obviously, over the last couple of weeks in terms of um, interviews coming out after negative criticism, negative publicity, etc., on the back of the defeats that we've had, maybe lack of investment in, in the team. What's been your thoughts on, on the last couple of weeks in terms of the interviews that have came out? Better than nothing, uh, and I appreciate Rangers don't don't like noise when there's football to be played, and therefore won't create that noise. Um, so doing it in the international break makes um, sense from that perspective. I don't have an issue with that. Um, there were still some areas of of ambiguity which 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 still don't help. I still don't think the leadership is strong enough, is visible enough. Um, I, as I said, I get why they, they want to wait till there's a lull. That doesn't always work and it creates a vacuum. Fans will fill that vacuum. Don't allow it. But 
we'll see we'll see if that's a start of um of something a wee bit more engaged or it's just a, a kind of response and then that that'll do for a while that, that's not going to work yeah ross it's interesting isn't it because i think anything anything that came out i don't personally think anything that came out was was horrendous or, or terrible i think quite a lot of the flack isn't necessarily pointed at what they're saying it's just a, an opportunity to, to vent at things which is absolutely fair enough um i think all of these things if we get recruitment right and we get results on the pitch there are some things that we're talking about that maybe get magnified that maybe wouldn't otherwise um almost like a damned if you do damned if you don't type thing there are absolutely some justifiable criticisms that i think need to be taken into account and hopefully they will be taken into account um but i think in terms of the messages that came out i think most of the things that were said were were pretty agreeable certainly to me i didn't see anything that was worrying um or anything that i completely disagreed with what was your your take on the various uh, communications yeah, I get with elements of what you both said there. I mean, you're talking about if, if we're winning on the park and we're playing good football, then do a lot of these concerns get raised? Probably not, but that doesn't make them invalid. You know, that's life in the big city yeah. at Rangers. If <laughs> if things aren't going well on the park, then everything about the club gets analysed, whether that is to a micro element or not. Now, Martin's absolutely spot on. If you don't fill the vacuum, then other people are going to do it for you. If you don't come out and you know put your, your values and your position on the table, don't other people will define that for you. And it possibly is a failure of the club, and I think they have admitted that themselves, that they've not came out and, and done that sooner, because you do create that element of noise. Now, that position of they don't want to create noise when there's football to be played, I'm not sure how based in reality that is, to be perfectly honest, because, like I say, when the football is not being played to a high standard, that noise is going to come anyway. So you maybe need to, do need to nip that in the bud, and you would like to think that that's a lesson learned going forward, and they won't let that happen again because of you know, the messages they were trying to send, such like the Champions League money and how we need to spend that, and the fact that it's not just money that's going to fall out of the sky and, and into the lap of, of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and a transfer budget. I mean, that's that's fine. I think we're all adults and we can perfectly well understand that, but that needs to be explained. Because I, <laughs> I think when you, we've spoken for years about how how big a, an impact Champions League money would make to Rangers, and I know this is just one aspect of it I'm focusing on, then to have that happen and then not to explain why that money is not getting spent is it's a failure of communication. And that's what I say. I think a lot of the criticisms are valid, but you can only really hope from this point onwards that they have learned that that's not a sustainable position and they need to come out and be more direct in their communication and treat us like adults going forward. I think that's all anyone ever asked for. Yeah, 100%. Okay, I think that will do us for this evening. Martin, thank you for joining me. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. And Ross, thank you too. Uh, thank you very much. Enjoy your trip to Liverpool tomorrow. We will do, yes. Um, and everyone listening, hope you all enjoyed Saturday's game and hopefully we get, I was going to say hopefully we get a similar result tomorrow night. I'm not sure that's that's really, uh-huh. really certainly certainly on the Rangers side, but I hope we enjoy the game tomorrow um, and we, we get through it. David will be back on Thursday to host Extra. Um, if you're all missing him, he will be back in, in the chair for that show, hopefully recapping a positive performance like I said um, all that is left for me to do is to thank our producers in London Mike Lee and Paul Myers and thank you all for listening I very very much hope your team wins but we'll be back on Thursday, thank you Podcast Network. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.